Good morning. Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Likutei Halachas, Yoradeya, Chelik Sheni, Hilchas Nedarim, Halacha Gimel, Paragraph Gimel. We dedicate the learning today for a complete Refu Shalema for Leib Ben Jenya, Chavi Vechana Basgalia, Idis Das Mariam Brangel, David Leib Ben Shena, Soramaya Bas, Tsipora Rivka, Shlomenisen ben Mazel, Yaakov Yeshua ben Freindel Rechel, Avram David ben Chana, Sorigitl bas Chanariva, Michal Esther bas Ruhia, Yuspendel bas Gitleya, Sorochel bas Yuspendel, Avivan bas Yuspendel, David ben Behia, Shengel bas Leia, Ami ben Chai ben Yehudes Gila, Atore Esther bas Galia, Ubno Hanoilud Lobe Mazeltov, Toiva bas Chava Pero, Ubna Hanoilud Lobe Mazeltov, Sora bas Odel, Simcha bas Sora, David Eliyahu ben Michal, Shimon Eloza ben Michal, Yerachmiel Yisrael Doi ben Frumit Nechama, Boruch Mordechai ben Tali, Besorich Shar Choyle Yisrael, Shimon Eliezer ben Rochel. We, we learned that this halacha is based on chapter 49 in Likud Imran, where Abenazal speaks about creation, how before creation there was only the infinite light of Hashem. In order for creation to take place, Hashem had to be mitzamsim, constrict himself, in order to create a vacant space, kaviochel, in which creation could take place. And Rabbeinazal said, this is exactly what takes place inside of a Jew. A Jew starts off with an eshama, a chelik alakamimal, a part of Hashem, which is infinite. But with infinite, you can't really do anything. In order to be able to do, in order to be able to do mitzvahs and toivim, and in order for the midas to be able to function and operate and come into existence, you need to be mitzamsing that infinite. And Rabbi Nezal said there that the Ein the, Soiv the is that desire. The word nefesh means rotzain, desire. So the Jewish soul is full of infinite desire for Hashem. We have to learn how to control and constrict that desire in order to allow us to do, to do, to learn Torah, to do mitzvahs and maizim toivim. And then the question came up, and, and a tremendous warning, a serious warning to be very careful because when a person is trying to come close to Hashem, especially when they're starting, the Yitzhahara the is very powerful and he doesn't, he doesn't give up. Just because a person made a decision to become religious or more religious, the Yitzhahara doesn't say you win. He says, you want to be religious? No problem. He takes off his Avera hat and puts on his Mitzvah hat, the Yitzhahara. And he says, mitzvahs, I'm right there with you. I'm the captain of the team. I'll, well, let me show you mitzvahs. And he tries to give the person things to do that the person can't handle. He tries to get the person to go too fast or too high in a manner that it'll damage the person, it'll harm the person. Nothing is coincidence. Today is the yard site of the Rebbe Rebzusha, the famous Rebbe Rebzusha Mianapoli. And all Hasidim are aware of the great Reb Zusha. I'm hoping this afternoon to have a shir in Shari Chesed, as we usually do on Tuesday, 
and to speak about the Rebbe of Zusha Mitzvah Shema. We hope that she will be available on our WhatsApp, on our website. It, Rabbeinu Zal said about the Rebbe of Zusha that one of the great things about him was the fire, the fire that he started with in Avodah Hashem, the intense passion that he had for Hashem, he was able to stretch it for 15 years. For the 15 years, he went with that initial super raging fire, that trilas hachasidus, that wild yearning and desire for Hashem. But obviously, he was a great enough Talmud Chacham to be able to control it and use it only in a beneficial, positive way. I remember recently in my house, they were speaking about Niagara Falls in America, between America and Canada, and, and talking about a person goes there and sees this, and they see immense power. They see one of the greatest displays of the power of Hashem. And years ago, Hashem gave people the wisdom to know how to harness that power. And somebody was saying a major part of the electricity of Canada is based on the Niagara Falls, comes from the fact that they were able to harness that energy and, and control it, be mitzams in it, in order to use it to turn on lights and an oven, to bake and cook and, and do all kinds of things. Now, so the question is, and, and, and we're learning here about nedarim. A person making a neder implies that the mitzvahs of the Torah aren't enough. The restrictions of the Torah aren't enough for me. I want to impose additional restrictions on myself. And Rav Nosson warned that this is a very delicate issue. So now, paragraph Gimel, Ube'emes tzrichen levakesh ulehischanein harbe lefnei Hashem izborach, sheyizke lodas eich lehisnaig be'inyen zeh, be'inyen tzimtzum ha'hislavus hazois. Rav Nosson says the truth is a person has to invest a lot of time and effort pleading with Hashem, begging Hashem to give me the wisdom to be able to know how to conduct myself regarding this issue of, of constricting the passion, being able to control this natural passion that my neshama has for Hashem, to be able to control it and be mitzamsing it, so that it should only have positive effects. Ki bevadai tzrichen lehizgaber ma'oid lichsoifu lehishtoikek lashmizborach tomid behishtoikek usotzam because it's definitely the right thing for a person to be yearning desperately for Hashem, wanting to come close to Hashem, wanting to do more mitzvahs and learn better and do, do everything better and better. V'yafal pikein. However, despite that, tzrichin litzamtzeim ha'hislavus. A person has to control and limit that passion. Shloyeh yoyser mimadrigosoy not to do, not to try to do more than what's on their level, what they're capable of doing. This is one of the reasons why it's impossible to be a real good Jew unless the person is to come close to true tzadikim. Because they are the ones who will teach the person and show the person the proper path that the person should go on and exactly what that person should do and what they shouldn't do. 
באופן שיהיה ההסלבוס והתשוקו קורוי בהדרגה ובמידה. So that the, the passion that the person feels for Hashem should be in a regulated, proper, healthy way. And this explains one of the 613 mitzvahs in the Torah is where the Torah warns us, do not deviate to the right or to the left from what the rabbis will tell you. Because it's only the true tzaddikim and the true great talmidi chachomim that have this knowledge that know eich litzamtzeim esho'or koroi badrog v'amido levli lintois yeminu smoil how to control the light, the fire, the passion properly so that the person shouldn't fall off the bridge to the right or to the left. The person shouldn't veer off course to the right or to the left from the bullseye, from the target that they're trying to reach. Because when a person deviates to the right, that's the concept of too much light. The person trying to do too much, to go above the level that they're capable of. Which causes explosions, it causes the light to go out completely. And deviating to the left, of course it's not the right thing to deviate to the left, meaning to do too little. A person who's capable of doing 20 push-ups, 30 push-ups, and they, they say, I'm going to do my exercise for today, and they do three and a half push-ups. Oh, Baruch Hashem, I exercise today. A person keeps doing that for a few days, they're going to get weaker and weaker. What do you mean? I'm doing my exercise. No, you're not. You're doing a fraction of the exercise that you need to be doing to keep up where, where you got up to. Because if a person deviates to the left, if a person misjudges what they're capable of doing, then the person will end up not even doing what they're required to do, what, what Hashem expects from that person. And this is why it's so important, it's so critical for a Jew to come close to true tzaddikim, true talmid chachamim. K'may Shomru, as it says in Pirkei Avos, Asei l'chorav u'knei l'chachover. Make for yourself a rabbi and acquire a friend. K'day sheyoyru oisoy haderech hayoshor eich lehisnaig ba'ifen sheyitzamsem hor ba'drog v'amidah so that they will show the person and teach the person the right path, exactly how that person should conduct themselves in a manner that they're, they're receiving the light, but only in a beneficial, constructive way, not where the light doesn't blind the person. We've mentioned this in the past, but it pays to repeat it a thousand times. The story with Rav Zal, Rav Naftali Zal, that they were once waiting to go in to see Rabbeinazal. And they're waiting and waiting, and it was unusual for a person to be there so long with Rabbeinazal, unless there was something. And they're waiting, and finally a person walks out, and he seems to be one of the most simple people in the city. And they're shocked. What could this person have been doing in there with Rabbeinazal for such a long time? And they go inside, and Rabbeinazal says to them, did you see the person that just left? They said, yes. 
He said, he's a nichnas v'yotza b'sholem. Rabbeinu Zal used the wording that the Gemara uses about Rabbi Akiva versus Benazai, Benzoima, and Acher. The Gemara in Chagiga says that four of the greatest rabbis used their knowledge of Kabbalah to go up to a very, very high place in heaven where they were able to see the Malach Memtes, they were able to see Hashem Kaviochel. And each one of them reacted differently. Acher was blinded by the light and, and res- he became an apikoiris. Mamesh an apikoiris. The Gemara describes the terrible, terrible things that he did after that. One of the two, Ben Asai, Ben Zoyma, one of them died. His soul left him, and that was it. That was the end of his life. His life ended abruptly and short, sh- shortly, briefly. The third one, ben, the third one, he couldn't put into words what he saw and, and, and what he felt. So he would talk and people thought he was crazy. People thought he lost his mind because he put, couldn't be mitzamtzing the light. And the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva was nichnas v'yotza b'sholem. Rabbi Akiva entered and left in peace. No harm done whatsoever, a complete success. So Rabbi Nezal said this about this person that just left. They're looking, they can't believe their eye. Wow, we didn't know that he's the, he's all 36 hidden tzaddikim rolled up into one. Rabbi Nezal smiled in his madrega. From what Hashem expects from him, he's batting a thousand, he's batting a hundred thousand. He's fabulous. Obviously, naturally, Hashem's expectations from him are worlds different from what Hashem expected from Rav Nosenzal or Rav Naftolizal or Rav Enesal. Each person needs to know what is Hashem expecting of me. And the only way a person could really know that is by coming close to the tzaddikim amitiyim. They're the ones that know what's right, what's left, what's center for each and every single Jew. Question. What was Rabbi Kiva's secret? How did he manage to come out? One of his secrets was obviously what Rabbi Nezal started the paragraph with here. A lot of tefillah. A lot of tefillah. Pleading, begging Hashem. That Rabbi Nezal, it's, it's brought that Rabbi Nezal, on Friday nights, when all the students would go to Rabbi Nezal, and Rabbi Nezal would say Torah sometimes, afterwards the others would go to sleep to get up for chatzot. Rabbi Nezal would go to the... To the mountain overlooking the Bug River and he'd be screaming, screaming, Hashem, in, I, I see a raging fire burning in Breslov. Shine it into my heart. Help me be to receive that fire in a good, positive, healthy way. So one, one of his secrets of success was definitely tefillah. And that's probably the most important item in a person's success in Avodah Hashem. To, to combine Torah and Tefillah. Torah is light, Kiner Mitzvah Torah Ur, but light alone without vessels is, 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 can be very harmful. Can't, can't, can't use it. Any other Rabbi, questions? I have, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How does one um, balance like having a teacher, you know, um, in Breslov, like a, a Rav in Breslov, and who guides a person to the true Sadiq and also um, like also having a, a relationship with Hashem how does it all like just come together 
like in harmony? The answer is, it does. If a person does what it does the best that they can to study all the advice and guidance of Rabbi Nezal in Likud Imran about, about the person's personal private connection with Hashem in Hispoidus and when you're learning by yourself and about having friends, having good friends, real, real religious friends who can inspire each other and encourage each other and by, by having, getting the guidance that a person needs, combining, trying to do one's best to combine all three of those paths, then the person can hope to be successful. And, 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 and beg Hashem, show me how to harmonize these three. Show me how to balance all of these three out. Uh, Rav Nosan Zal writes in Likut HaLochus, it seems that usually the priorities, the order is that tzaddik is first, then the friends, and then the personal. Meaning, if a person has an opportunity to connect with the tzaddik, that takes the highest priority. The next level is, if a person has a chance to be with friends, to learn or daven together with friends. And the third category is, when those two aren't available, for a person to do their own personal private learning and their personal private prayer. But a person needs all three of them. In quoting Pirkei Avos about making a role for yourself, does Rav Nassim mean just coming close to Rav Nassim or also to his students who are alive now? It seems from many places in Likutei Alochais and in Alam Litrufa and in other places that it means both, it requires both. There's a famous story with Rav Nassim that one time one of his students used to meet on a regular basis with one of Rabbein Azal's grandchildren, Rabbi Avram Ber. They used to get together to talk about serving Hashem. And one time, the student of Rabbein Azal <coughs> came to the house, and Rabbi Avram Ber wasn't there. But his father-in-law was there, Reb Doiv, who was a student of Rabbein Azal. And, and this student of Rabbein Azal was sitting there, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't really talking. So Reb Doiv asked him, he said, I know your friend isn't here, why don't you talk to me? So he said, you, you're a student of Rabbi Nezal. you're a student of Rabbi Nachman, it's like, how, I, I'm, I'm afraid to talk to you. And Reb Doiv said to him, you should know that you students of Rabbi Nezal, have a much stronger connection and a clearer view of Rabbi Nezal than we Rabbi Nezal students did, than we who were his own students. So sometimes there could be a tremendous benefit, tremendous benefit in getting, getting, getting the guidance and having the, the kesher to the students. Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in Likut Imran. There's a, ch- a famous short chapter on Likut Imran, <coughs> which Rabbi Nezal bases on a pasuk in Tehillim. Ubeyad kolodam yachtoim lodas kol masehu. Rabbi Nezal shows, they will just say briefly, that Yachtoim, Choysam, the seal, is the Tzadik. He's the Choysam Bris, he's the Tzadik Yisoyed. And Rabbi Nezal says there, just like a seal, when you, when you, you look at a seal, it's hard to read the words because it's upside down. The only time you can really see clearly what's written on a seal is when it's stamped onto something. So Rabbi Nezal says that Tzadik himself his light is so bright, he's on such a high level that the, most of the world cannot relate to him directly. They cannot receive from him directly. 
the way that they can receive from the tzaddik and benefit from him the most is lodas kol by his anshe by his students. <coughs> Looking at his students, then we can relate to more easily. We can understand and by looking at them, watching them, that's how we can really get the healthy, proper benefits of the light of the tzaddik. So here again, that's the Likute Alochais and the Likute Tfilais, all the Sfarim of Rav Nosenzal and Rav Nosenzal's letters. Which chapter on Likute Moran? We'll need the benefit of some of our codifiers who will probably insert it pretty soon in the chat. I believe it's in, in the hundreds, if I'm not mistaken. Now Rav Nosenzal continues, and, and be patient. The next two, three pages are going to clarify a lot this issue of, of what's too much, what's too little. Kiba emes, because the truth is, afal pi shem Moshe kibel toirami pi hagvuro, umesoralonu, Although Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah from Hashem, and he gave it to us, the Kabbalah Satoira, Hoya Alidei Bechinas Tzimtzum Ho'or. And our receiving the Torah on Har Sinai was already through a major constriction and, and, and filtering and shrinking of the light. Shezel Bechinas Mipi Hagvura. This will explain why the Gemara uses this terminology that we receive the Torah on Harsinai mipi hagvura. Why does it say mipi hakodesh Hu? Why does it say mipi yudke? What's mipi hagvura from the powerful? What does gvura have to do with this? Ki gvura hi bechinas tzimtzum because gvura is the left side. Gvura means constriction. Chesed is always a concept of opening. Poisea ches yodecho. And Gvura is a concept of clothes. Because the Torah is all of the measurements, all of the constrictions of Hashem. Each letter is a keli. Each word is a larger keli. Each sentence is a larger, is still a larger keli. And every mitzvah is an expression of the midos of Hashem. And as we learned earlier, quoting from Likut Imran, it's impossible for the Midois to be revealed unless there is first a Tzimtzum of the light. That Tzimtzum of the infinite light. It's okay, so that already happened on Har Sinai. It's, it's done, right? Wrong. Afal Pikin, despite that, that original tzimtzum was fine to get us started. Now in each and every single generation we need a new tzimtzum to, to relate the Torah to that generation, to that particular generation. And now Rav Nosenzal once again gives us one of the very important rules in Kabbalah and in Yiddishkeit. Shehamadreko ho'el yoyna, the higher level, afal pi shehi bebechinas tzimtzum legabi ma'ashelamalehimena, let's say, let's talk about floors. There's the ground floor, the first floor, the second floor, and the third floor. The second floor compared to the third floor is a tzimtzum. 
the, the lower you go, the more the light has, is less, shrunken. So even though the second floor is a tzimtzum compared to what's above it, Afalpikein, despite that, ho'or shel hamadrega shel malo, hu bechinas ein soif, legabi madrega artachtoinam. That second floor is called infinite compared to the first floor. You have measuring cups. Women that bake, they have measuring cups. They have a cup and, and a, a, dub, a double cup and a triple cup. Each cup, the, the smaller one, you try to pour from the bigger one into the smaller one and, and it's going to spill. You're going to see it's going to overflow. It's going to spill out. Even though, what do you mean? This isn't the, There's much bigger cups than this. You're right, there are much bigger. But the, the, the larger one compared to the smaller one is referred to as Ein Soif, meaning too bright a light. And therefore we need additional tzimtzumim all the time so that the lowest levels should be able to receive the light and be able to handle it. Because the light of Hashem is flowing from the highest of the highest, highest levels. And, and therefore, the lower a level we're, we're, we're trying to get to, it requires more and more tzimtzumim, more shrinking. Because the tzimtzum that was done on the, on the 85th floor isn't good enough in order to go down to the 30th floor. You need many, many more tzimtzumim to be able to bring the light down to there. And therefore, when we go down to that lower level, requires additional tzimtzumim in order for the people on that level to receive the light in a beneficial way. And therefore, on each and every level, we have to repeat that process of of creating midos and everything. And Rav Nosson Zal says, based on what I just taught you, this will give you a very good understanding of chapter 49 in Likuti Maram, the chapter that this halach is based on. And many other concepts in Kabbalah, people that learn Sifrei Kabbalah, Sifrei Machshobah, come across this type of issue. And Rav Nosson Zal here in this paragraph simplified it for us, made it super, super clear to understand how this works. Any questions? And therefore, the Torah which Moshe Rabbeinu received from Hashem and gave it to us, we still require the rabbis, the chachamim of each and every generation 
to explain it to us properly, to show us exactly how the Torah relates to us in the 18th century, in the 19th century, in the 21st century, because we are not capable of understanding the Torah and interpreting correctly by ourselves. Because the Torah that was given to Moshe Ben Arsinai, to us, that's infinite. That's Ein Soif. Because although to Moshe Rabbeinu it was already Tzimtzum, and for the people of his generation that were called the Doer Deya, the, the greatest giants in knowledge, it was Tzimtzum, for them it was Tzimtzum. To us, thousands of years later, that package is infinite light. It's not yet formatted at all whatsoever in a manner that we could relate to it, that we could relate to it properly. That's why you have the Karaites and other people who didn't accept the Torah Shabalpeh, they only accept the written Torah, and they end up practicing a religion that's for Mars, Martians. They have Martian Judaism, not authentic Judaism, Martian Judaism. Because without the Mishnayis, without the Gemara, without the Shulchan Aruch, a person has no idea whatsoever how to interpret the Torah correctly. And this is why we need the rabbis of each and every single generation to study with us. And to explain the words of the Torah very, very clearly, in order that we should be able to receive the light of the Torah properly, based on our level, based on our generation, based on today's times. And this will explain the fences and the boundaries that the rabbis of each and every generation establish. Boundaries around the Torah. In the Torah it says that, that, that a person can't write. The rabbis said that a pencil, a pen is muksa. We're talking about Shabbos, on Shabbos. Don't move a pen. Ki oiro yisborach shehu bechinas ein soif shoifea tomeh because Hashem's light, which is infinite, is always flowing. Hashem is always broadcasting. Utsrichen lekabloi behadrogo ubemido bechol esuzman, and all of us have to be careful to receive it in a very precise, measured, formatted manner that we can handle. And therefore the rabbis in each and every single generation have to create new boundaries. And to establish new takonos, new laws. The Gemara calls it a gate to another gate. And this is one of the problems, people that aren't learned, people that aren't religious and, and aren't humble, 
they look at what the rabbi's doing and say, the rabbis are always, they're, they're making, they're the one, they're the troublemakers in Judaism. They're always adding new laws and new, new boundaries and everything. Why don't they just leave well enough alone? Who needs them? They're, they're the ones that are making religion so hard. You don't need all of these extra things. Because they need, they need to constantly be constricting this infinite light, bringing it down into these into measurements that relate to, to the generation that they're in. And this is what results in some of the new commandments that we have from the rabbis. Because by constricting the light, that enables us to receive the light of the Torah and its mitzvahs in all generations, all the time. Because Hashem, the Torah, and the Jewish people are all one. It's all one. But you have to know how to plug it in properly. Because Hashem is infinite. And we are not infinite. Our brains are not infinite. I'm sorry. So the Yisrael Kulachad is not translating the Chachamim? No, he's saying the whole Jewish nation. The Jewish nation, the Torah, and Hashem are one. So we have to be together. We have to, we have, we have to be together. But it requires knowing how to regulate it. Again, we know that in, in Eretz Yisrael, the, the voltage is 220. In America, it's 110. There are many people who have bought appliances and blown up those appliances because I didn't do anything. I plugged it into the thing. The thing it had a plug. I, I bought the prong, the two, the two things, and it, it, went in, it went in perfectly. And then, boom, fire and explosion. Everything. What did I do wrong? You didn't have a transformer. You needed a transformer. It told you clearly on the appliance that it's a 110 appliance. And if you plug it into the Israeli voltage, which is double that, it's going to blow it unless you have something that can take that 220 and bring it down in a manner that only 110 is reaching so it doesn't blow it up. You have the same thing, Baruchnius. Now we get back to our topic, the concept of making vows, taking on additional requirements on oneself. Because of the fact that a Jew, a Jewish soul, is, has, is passionate for Hashem, and it's, it's infinite, it's a chelak al-chamimal, it's, it, it, it's, it's infinite, al-kein liboy koiseif, Therefore, it's natural for a Jewish heart to yearn to, to separate oneself completely from Gashmias, from materialism. I want to be like Hashem. I, I am, I'm part of Hashem, so I want to be like Hashem. And to make himself even holier than the limited mitzvahs of the Torah. There's only 613. He wants 10,000. 
However, the right thing is to constrict the light, to limit the light. And to receive the light in a controlled, limited manner. And each and every single Jew, based on the light that they are capable of receiving at a particular time, they have to prepare the, the kalim, the vessels and the, the tzimtzumim, in order for them to be able to receive their light. This is the concept of a vow. The, a vow originates in the heart of a person. Now Rav Nosson is going to get down to the nitty-gritty and explain exactly what's happening when a person makes a vow and where the danger is, where the positive elements are, where the danger is. It starts off in the, in the heart. We know when the Torah speaks about giving a, making a neder or nedava for tzedakah, it says, kol ish asher yidvenu liboy, any, every person who has a generous desire in their heart, they have a desire to give, a desire to do. So the, this rotzain originates in the heart. However, the Torah that warns, and the Shulchan Aruch says in Yeridea, chapter 210, that it's extremely critical that the heart and the mouth should be in sync. Viadua, and it's known al pikabolo shenedorim hein bebina, that neder is associated with the sphere of bina, as we said before several times. The word neder is nun doer, fiftieth generation, fifty bina, the fifty gates of bina. Shehi bechinas tshuva, which is also associated with the fifty fifty gates of tshuva. And, and Bina is this, the Pasuk says, Ulevavoy, Yovin, Vishavarafalo. You have all three words there in that Pasuk. Your heart will understand and will repent and will do tshuva. Ulevavoy, Yovin, Vishav. Ubina, he alma diskasya. Bina is called the hidden world. The lower spheroids, chesed through Malchus, are called revealed. We spoke about this a few days ago. Bina is called, is, we're going above this world. We're going to that hidden place, that much higher place. Bina is already entering into the world of the infinite. Because those first three spheroids, Keser, Chachman, Bina, are, are above the concept of time. It's brought that Zman is bigimatria mo bon. Mo and bon correspond to vav and hey of yudke vavke. If you recall, we've spoken about this in the past, that there are four formats of yudke vavke when you write out each letter as a word. Of, sog, mo, bon. 72, 63, 45, and 52. They're not in numerical value, exactly. Which correspond to yud, hey, Vav and He. So, so the, the last two, Vav and He, which are Chesed, Vurt, Veres, Netzachod, Yisoy, Malchus, correspond to Mo and Bon. Mo is 45, Bon is 52, 
together it's 97, which is Zman. So Zman pertains to those seven lower spheres. They are within Zman. They are this world, the physical world. Seven days of creation. Yom Echad, Yom Shem. Whereas Sholosh Rishonois, Heim Lemala Mezman, those top three spheroids are above the concept of time. Lemala Mehamidois. They are above those seven Midois. Those seven are called the, the Midois. Shezel Bechinas Ein Soif. And therefore they're referred to as infinite in comparison. Hainu. <coughs> what does this have to do with me? I'm an earthling. Hainu. What this means is when a Jewish heart is burning, is, is super passionate for Hashem, and that person wants to add additional prohibitions in addition to what the Torah says, he cannot accomplish that until he verbalizes it. He has to put it into words. That already is an example of shrinking the light. The heart, in the heart, it's, it's boundless in a sense. Now, go, going through the mouth, that's already malchus, that's a keli, that's tzimtzum. Because so long as the vow is still in the heart of the person, it's in their thoughts, they haven't expressed it at all. It's in that category of infinite. The light hasn't yet been formatted and constricted in a manner that the person can receive it, you know, act, can actualize it. When the person now brings out that nether that's, that's in their heart, they verbalize it, they put it into words, This is an example of constricting and formatting and shaping that light. Because the main way that we reveal the midos and kelim is through the mouth. The mouth represents this concept of a vessel. Now, once a person verbalized it, now you're required to fulfill the neder. Because it actually became part of the Torah. Because neder is an example of a person getting into an elevator and going up to that top floor, going up to that place called neder, going up to bina, going up to ein soif. Because again, the nidva slave, it's starting from that passion in the heart. He's going up to that place of bina, that place of oir ein soif, and then shrinking, constricting the light, and receiving it in a measured way, by putting it into words. The, when the person gets the idea, wow, I want to do something major for Hashem, when, when he has that thought that, that this isn't enough, uh, uh, 
I'm allowed to eat, I'm only allowed to eat kosher. There's a billion things that I can't eat. I'm restricted, I can only eat kosher. But that's not good enough for me. I don't feel religious enough. I want to be more religious. I don't want to eat anything. I want to fast. So that thought, when a person gets that thought and that desire, it's coming from the heart. And that's taking that person, that's connecting to person, that's turning on that Ein Soif light bulb. Now, when they decide to put it into words, that's the tzimtzum. And then he's required to fulfill it. Like all the mitzvahs. Because the entire Torah is really also an example of Hashem's infinite light being shrunken into these letters and words and sentences. The Alkane and therefore Ho'imer Ye Osru Kol Peroy Shaboilamolai. If a person makes an extreme nether, all fruit of the entire world should be forbidden to me. Nidroi Botel. The halacha says it's invalid, it doesn't count. Kizel Bechinas Ein Soif. Because this is an example of a person staying up there in the pen on the roof. He's not coming back down. Everything. Everything is forbidden. Everything is forbidden doesn't count. You can't do that. In, in Yiddishkeit. This is an example of too much light with no constriction. And therefore his nether is invalid. Because a nether doesn't count unless you've constricted the light. And that's another reason why you, you have to verbalize it. It has to be put into words. Paragraph above. And this will explain why the truth is that a person is supposed to stay away from making vows, to distance oneself from making vows. As it says in Yoradea chapter 203, to be careful not to cross that line and go into too much light. Which person knows how to constrict the light properly? There's just one, there's one example where the Gemara and Aloha say it is permissible. It's a mitzvah to make a vow if a person feels that they're having trouble in a certain area. The person's overeating, always overeating, 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 and the person sees that no matter how hard they try, they can't help themselves, and they try to make a vow in order to help them stay away, keep a distance. As the Shulchan Aruch says over there in paragraphs 6 and 7 in chapter 2 or 3, if a person is doing it in order to put a fence around something or a gate, it's a mitzvah to make such a vow. As it says in Perkyovois, that making vows is a fence that helps a person to refrain and abstain from things that they should be refraining from. This is the concept of tshuva, where a person is prepared to make a change in their life. I'm going to refrain from doing things I was doing before that before were permissible to me, and now I'm 
Bebchinas tzimtzum oirein soif. It's another form of shrinking the infinite light. Because Rabbeinu Zal explains over there in chapter 49 in Likud Imran, that a person who has committed a particular sin, that person damaged one of the pipes, one of the wires, one of the tzimtzumim. The wire broke, the pipe broke, the water is splashing all over the place, went back to Ein Soif. There's no pipe, there's no constriction. Shezehu Iker Pigam Kol Hachatoim. This is the real damage that all of our sins cause, Chasvashon. It causes a breakage, it messes up the tzimtzum and the oil goes back to Ein Soif. Vatikun Alidei Hachuva. The way that we repair this is through tshuva. Ki tshuva hibibina. Because again, the Sifrei Kabbalah explained that tshuva is associated with bina, shehu nichlal be'ein soif kanal, which is plugged into that ein soif. Ki tshuva hi shechoyzer ve'oyle u'mishtoikek ve'choyzef la'shem izborach. Tshuva is where the person rises up again and yearns, has that deep yearning for Hashem. And plugs back into that infinite light. But the person doesn't stay up there. They know when to open the parachute. And they know that they have to come back down. Come back down carefully. And that person comes back down and draws that light that originally flew up to heaven, it went away, he brings it back down stronger and better than before. Meaning that he starts doing mitzvahs better than he was doing before as a result of tshuva. Rav Nassim is explaining to us now the path, how it works with tshuva. How a person first gets excited, that excitement is connecting him to the oyer and soif, he makes that connection, but then... The excitement alone isn't enough. He's got to come back down and bring it into Tzintzumim. He has to apply that excitement into his Torah, Tefillah, Mitzvahs. That's completing the process. Question in the chat. Why does Rav Nassim say that the burning of the heart for Hashem results first in wanting more restrictions and not in wanting to do more positive things? The answer is because just like at the time of creation, the order of events was step one, oyer ein soif. Step two, constriction. That's exactly how it works inside of us. That step one is oyer ein soif. Step one is excitement, passion. And that passion is, is in the form of, of, I want to do more, I want everything. And step two is the, the constriction. That's the correct, that's the order, that's how it works. Question we spoke about fasting, which has a bigger effect, fasting or Torah study, when it comes to tshuva? The answer is both are critical, and it's very difficult to be able to say, Rabbeinazal said, Rabbeinazal, who himself, in his youth, did a tremendous, an extreme amount of fasting. There was one year where he fasted 
18 weeks from, from, fri- from, from Saturday night to, fr- to Kiddush on Shabbos. 18 times he did that within one year. And, and Mondays and th- all kinds of fasting. And Rabbi Nezal said that towards the end of his life, he came to the realization, and, and, and this broke his body in many ways. He came to the realization that through tefillah and Torah, a person can accomplish the same results with less side effects, with less damage. There are fasts. The, the fasts that we do have, that the rabbis are given, have given us, we welcome those fasts. <coughs> the, the, the four fasts for the Churban Beis HaMikdash and Tainus Esther, all, all the different fasts. And those that are able to, Bahab, Monday, Thursday, Monday, after Pesach and Sukkot, and those that are able to, Shavavim, different, different fasts. And, and not eating before davening every day, not eating or drinking before shachris. That's also a fast. But the Gemara in Shulchan Aruch warned that a person who's a, a, a rabbi who's teaching Torah, that he's not allowed to take on any extra fasts if it's going to take away from his strength in being able to teach the students properly, you know, that kind of thing. So there's person needs, there's a lot of, Regulatory rules here. A person needs to learn a lot to know how to regulate everything. Rav Nelson Zal is going to continue in this paragraph clarifying how a Baal Tshuva is supposed to function and then the whole concept of a Chacham being Mater Neder we're still going to have a lot of, lot of clarification on this. The question, why is this burning? Why, why is this burning? I want to do more, but I want to restrict myself more. Why isn't it not, I want to do more, but I want to restrict myself more? The answer is, it's both. I gave one example. Doing more very often implies restricting oneself. I want to learn more Torah. I want to learn more Torah. I want to daven longer and sleep less and eat less. The two go together. It's not, not a, it's not a contradiction in any way. This raging fire is, is wanting to do more, wanting more ruchnius in a manner that will result in less gashmius. That's the point here. Any other questions before we close? Wishing everybody a wonderful day. The schus of all the tzaddikim should be with us, especially today's tzaddik, the great Rebbe Rebzusha Meyanapoli. Shem should help that all of his zechuyos and, and should, should be a, a, a guiding light for us and should help us be to get to where we need to get to, and especially to the Gula Shleimah, Amen, Amen.